The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well, um, especially because today we have PD Webb back on the show. PD, how's it going? It's going well. How about you guys? The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Good. So today we are going to talk about uh, a topic that's very prevalent. In the draft community, and that's player comparisons. Um, though they often can be unproductive, so I, we're going to go through why player comparisons can be bad, how they get bad, and just give some examples of some some common, not so productive comparisons that you hear uh, in this year's draft class. Uh, should be a bit of a shorter, more fun episode tonight. Um, so just let's let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, to be less democratic than Ben, I feel like player comps are usually lazy and bad. Um, they're they're helpful. They can be helpful for understanding role, uh, like how a guy is going to play. But, you know, one-to-one player comps tend to miss a ton. Um, and they, you know, they, they, they don't capture style. And they, I think, like impart, uh, you know, elements of evaluation onto guys that shouldn't be there and are generally kind of lazy. Uh, so, you know, now let's get, let's get into some really bad comps. And I feel like this could be like a drinking game. If, if you hear, if you're watching the, um, the ESPN broadcast (laughs) instead of our live show for some reason, um, yes, as Max said, we are going to be broadcasting an episode live on Twitch during the NBA draft. It's going to be a blast. Come check it out. Um, yeah. So if you're, if you are, you know, not, not watching us for some reason, you turn it into a little drinking game. You hear one of these, one of these uh, comps. Uh, you know, take a swig. Uh, I guess Ben, you'll you'll take you'll drink some tea or something. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, and last year, last year, Max got like every single comp right. So be prepared. Yeah, th- these are not. This is not my official list, though. This is well, I, okay. I'm you know, I'm, right. I'm yet to put out the official list. But well, I have I have high expectations after last year's performance. I'm nervous, honestly. It's a it's a lot to live up to. I think this year is probably harder than last year. It it definitely is. Um, but one that I am confident in that we're going to see is, or I guess a couple, uh, Killian Hayes to James Harden and D'Angelo Russell. Um, yeah. So I I mean we've already seen this a fair amount. I think 
um and they they kind of they come from you know one of the core elements of of uh, comp is that they must must be to a like-handed player so of course james harden and d'angelo russell very uh you know prominently satisfy that uh with with a a, a lefty and killian hayes um PG, what do you think are like the other roots of these very different and equally kind of nonsensical comps? Are? I think that there's a stylistic element. Um, um, and I think the other really important thing is that players are never compared to heightened versions of like mediocre or bad players. It's only like stars or all stars. And so one of the difficulties with um, with comparing players to like all stars are better is that it biases what the player should be. It also like creates an impression that a person has to counter. Um, a lot of draft comparisons are shorthands for when you don't have time to explain to somebody else. Um, and just being like, Oh yeah, he's sort of like Harden, you know, which is, which is to say like no one ever. Um, and the more unique the player is, or the comparison point is the more fraught the comparison itself is. Yeah, I mean, you've had, like, you've kind of seen an evolution with the Killian comparisons to where it, it was a lot of D'Angelo Russell, um, not only because of visual similarities, but, you know, the lefty, excellent passer, lacking in burst. Um, and then he and then he adds the, the hardened double step back this year at Ulm, and he gets the hardened comps kind of unsurprisingly. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is just, like, like Petey said, stylistic, but just I, I think specific skills can definitely spark comparisons. Um, like like the Harden step back when they are not even broadly similar, um, yeah, like that specific skill. Yes, it's something that Killian Hayes is is good at. It's something that James Harden is good at. But there's almost no, not much other overlap in their games. You don't think Killian Hayes is going to be like setting records for isolation possessions uh, <laughs> in a season? Unlikely. Um, unlikely, for being honest. Yeah, I mean, Killian has like, like you said, he he has very fo- very good footwork on his uh, pull up jumpers and is a lefty, and I think that's kind of the extent of the James Harden comp. That I mean, I guess Harden is kind of fundamentally a change of pace player as well, but he's so he's so stylistically unique in how he wins um, that it doesn't really make any sense to comp anyone to him. He's very unique physically. Um, and then D'Lo, I just don't find him to be all that similar to Killian um, on either end of the floor, really. <laughs> I, yeah, I think a lot of the comps also kind of skewed defense as well, um, especially this one. like mm-hmm, For sure. Um, should we move on now to... Um, this one I think is much we're much much less likely to see, but PD claims that that it's a prominent one. Lamelo Ball to Sean Livingston, um, which I like. I, I think tall point guard, both light skinned. I think that that like yeah, it it's it the unwillingness for people to use like cross racial comps, of course, is is very well documented. But yeah, the the like intent the, like the fascination with finding like, like really matching skin tone is, is uh, like, frankly, very uncomfortable, but uh, a prevalent thing among uh, comp makers. And for that reason, I I guess I could see this one, but um, PG, do you think that there's anything more to this other than, other than height and skin tone? I think it gets to another uh, fun uh, topology within 
comparisons, which is like at which point in Sean Livingston's life are we talking about? Because like if we're comparing it to uh, Illinois High School, Sean Livingston, like maybe they have the same sort of uh, joie de vivre and how they throw passes. Um, they they use their leverage to to throw um, passes that like even like six three point guards can't get. Um, but also like Sean Livingston didn't play in an arcade system in high school. Um, and then like older Livingston after the knee injuries and after working his way back, just like took 16 foot mid rangers and made great defensive rotations. And that's in no way similar to LaMelo other than the fact like they sort of are the same height. Yeah. I think that's an important point that like, if you were making hypothetically a LeBron James comp, like just comparing someone to LeBron James, you could be saying, you know, a, a variety of, of very different players, depending on like when in his career you're attempting to reference, uh, is kind of another, another huge problem with the, the just broad one-to-one comp is that, you know, guys, games evolve. Uh, so you, you're probably gonna have to differentiate between which, which, I mean, you, and if you're thinking, you know, less, uh, lower down the, the NBA totem pole than LeBron James, you know, you're probably talking about guys filling in different roles. Like, um, I I don't know about a specific example, but you know, player X on one team is might fundamentally be a kind of different player in how he's applied than player X on a different team. Um, so I think that that's just another kind of big inherent flaw in comps. Um, this one we're definitely going to see Anthony Edwards to Dwayne Wade and Victor Oladipo. Yeah, I mean, you see, like, the the, the, the comps, you know, just hyper-athletic shooting guards around, you know, 6'4 to 6'5 with, you know, shot-making and, right. and, you know, ability to get to the rim when, again, I mean, one, I think, you know, again, like, which 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 players are we talking about? Like, because Prime Oladipo is a lot different than Orlando Magic Oladipo is a lot different than current Victor Oladipo. Um, and then just, I mean, it, it's... It's probably like one of the. It's definitely one of the more common ones. I think you're gonna see uh, on draft night. Definitely, most definitely. The, ben, um, do you do you not think uh, Ant is gonna be like a first team all defense guard? Seems seems unlikely. Um, once again, an example of the comparison very much skewing defense. Um, whereas Anthony Edwards will never reach the likely will never reach the defensive heights of, of Victor Oladipo or, or Dwayne Wade. Yes. Another area it uh, excuse is um, like the the journey that players have had. Like comparing Ant to like multi year college guys is very interesting because multi year college guys come in with a different set of expectations and a different set of baggage. Um, where Ant had like one of the more forgettable six months in, at an institution that we're gonna have for at least a while, um, and then like Oladipo took multiple spots to get going, so. This is a very strange comp beyond just like the fact that they look great when they do Euro steps. Yeah, like you wouldn't, if you're a drafting team, you would not aspire to draft someone who follows Victor Oladipo's career arc because the Orlando Magic did not get a second pick value out of Victor Oladipo. Um, that, that's not really, you know, that's not really a career trajectory you'd want to draft. In the first place, so if if Ant Edwards, you know, if the implication of this comp is that Ant Edwards is going to take multiple chances, failing, playing in different roles to eventually reach All NBA level, that's not even that's not a selling point in in my opinion, at least not for his drafting team. 
Max, yeah. I think you're committing a sin in applying intellectual rigor to the idea of comparisons. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that's um, a nice transition into our next one because it does not hold up uh, to any intellectual rigor whatsoever. Uh, this this is really like my favorite one because it's a combination of two just like hilarious comps. Um, it's I think we can do Onyeka and uh, Precious together, Precious, yeah, because they get the same comps. They both it seems get Bam and Montrez Harrell comps. Um, you don't have to have seen Onyeka Kongwu or Precious Achua play to know that's ridiculous. Because those are opposite players. Yeah, <laughs> no, like a player could not both be similar to Montrez Harrell and Bam at a bio. It makes no sense. They're like pretty much polar opposites. Um, so PD, what do you think is the underlying logic here? They both look like they try hard. Like Trez always looks like he's trying. Um, he's often like not, especially in defensive rotations, but like they're both dudes who have the reputation of energy, if not like the actual output of it. Um, and so saying that like, they're going to be energy bigs, uh, makes sense if you like don't actually like didn't watch the playoffs and didn't see Trez like not rotate over and over and over again and Bam is somebody who actually is super high energy and can do all of those things so I guess like Trez and Bam are sort of uh form and function of this idea yeah I mean the Onyeka one makes more sense than Precious just because the mobility is broadly similar even if Onyeka is not at that level then I mean I mean then offensively the comparison kind of goes out the window um but, but yeah I mean Precious, again, um, very different than both of them, and they're so polar opposite as players. Um, they have, like, no overlapping skills. Um, yeah, I, I think that Bam is another strong example of don't comp guys to unique players because the way Bam moves is, like, very much unique for a big man. Um, I don't really think that there's anyone who, who moves like that. Um, so I, that's just kind of, like inherently going to be a failing of these comps is that these guys are like bam is always the comp draymond is always the comp because there is no one else of that archetype um but that and is, everyone's always looking for the next one but yeah but that's that's the whole point of their existence and the whole problem with the comp is that they're the only one that's why they're special they're the only one doing what they do is very difficult um so bam comps uh they're popular right now obviously like that that's kind of another another thing that comes into play with a bam comp is that kind of what whatever's the latest flavor will be very popular and bam most certainly is after the heats run to the finals um and so we're kind of we're going to increasingly i think see see bam comps we saw it with like every single big comp to clint capella if you're like a moderately mobile big you're comp to clint capella after the success of the rockets um but you know that just because a, a certain guy is having success in the NBA at a given moment does not mean like does not mean that there's going to be an influx of guys who are exactly similar. Uh, because that that thinking is to say that like all attributes are flat and that within archetypes there aren't thresholds. Like what percentage of Bam's foot speed understanding of angles do you need to have to switch like Bam or to move, um, you know, uh, on closeouts like Bam? And there isn't a particular answer to that question. And that's not what these comparisons are to do is to be like, well, he's 40% of Bam's movement skills. So that's probably a player. Mm -hmm. Instead, they're just like, he exists there. And if he works, uh, he doesn't, if he, if he does work, I was right. Yeah. I think that's an important point because we saw this, I think, or we have seen it recently and it kind of sustains that Siakam comps are a common thing now. And 
my, my whole problem with those is that if you're 80% of Siakam, you're probably not all that good because what Siakam does is really hard. Like if you, if you're 80% as good at Siakam as like weird runners and stuff like that, you're probably not a very effective player. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just like, if, if you're kind of a, a, like an off-brand version of one of these guys who's really weird and succeeds in a unique way, you're probably not going to succeed. So the, the next one is, is one that I like, I guess I'm a little more sympathetic to, but I, I personally don't like at all. It's Kyra to Darren Fox. Um, so this is pretty obvious where this comes from. I think it's the speed. Uh, but I think what it kind of misses that that's pretty huge is finishing ability that like, I feel like that that's like the big hang up with Kyra is his finishing is a major concern. He's very, very weak and he's not a great vertical athlete. And De'Aaron Fox, even when he couldn't shoot at Kentucky, was a very good finisher, was a very good runner guy. Kyra didn't even attempt runners at Alabama, which is not necessarily his fault, but he didn't do it. Um, so Darren Fox, like very, very accomplished, uh, like 15 feet and in and Kyra Lewis, that's where like all of the questions come into play. And that's very central to the kind of idea of a blazingly fast guard like that. Yeah. Fox shot, um, about 60% at the rim in his freshman season. Um, 75th percentile Kyra was nowhere near that. At Alabama, I mean, just just totally different levels of, of vertical athletes and just finishers in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not the worst comparison on this list because both of them, you know, are kind of terrors in the open floor. Um, but w- w- with their speed, but yeah, I mean, again, like it's it's another case of see one specific skill um, and assume that you know that comparison is legitimate. Yeah, I, I think it's just a strong demonstration of even if a guy does have some broad similarities, that if like the very crux of their game is is where they diverge, then it doesn't make a ton of sense that, to say that like Cairo will succeed because he is similar to De'Aaron Fox, except a lot of De'Aaron Fox's game hinges upon this one key aspect that Cairo very much doesn't have. That in fact, it's like maybe the biggest single question in his entire Kyra. evaluation. Um, it's just like, it would, to me, it's a, it's a, like a failure of a comp because of that. But if you are optimistic on Kyra's finishing, I, I get it more, but, um, I am not optimistic on Kyra's finishing. Um, the next one we have is a pretty quick one. Uh, it's RJ Hampton to Dante Exum. This to, to me, like kind of by accident is maybe not the worst comp. However, it is made solely because they look identical. Um, they like really look like twins, uh, and we I think we see that pretty frequently. The guys who look alike uh, get comped, and that obviously makes no sense. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that. Uh, yeah. Also, like from Australia, like Australia thing. Mm-hmm. That that's part. That's the uh, just another part of the productive comparison. Um, they play in the same place. They look the same. They are the same position. I mean, like you said, like it's again, like not the worst comparison on this on, on this list. It's actually not like not that bad, but I think it's illustrative of like a lot of the problems with comparisons that are pretty bad. Mm-hmm, for sure, I would put Cole Anthony and Austin Rivers in this category of like guys who yeah, like they 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 don't have like the same like doppelganger thing, but it, there's a lot of the same um, 
approach and attitude stuff and it's just like oh yeah they're the same guy it's like well functionally yeah. they're very much not but mm -hmm. it, yeah there's so many um overriding visual similarities that people just decide to roll with it and not you know, yeah. think about it any deeper. for sure for sure um okay next we've got uh a couple fun ones for one guy uh we've got james wiseman to deandre ayton uh which is uh pretty ridiculous and to chris bosh which is really like really hilarious um i guess we could, we could start with bosh first of all uh lefties well yeah but i mean comping a guy to you know like a hall of fame big man probably not great i guess if you think wiseman is like a top three prospect in the class it makes more sense but um yeah, they're lefties, so that's very important for a comp. Um, I really, I really, really don't get where any, like, I, I, I don't know. You, one of you guys needs to talk because this one is just like so baffling to me. Um, outside is, of the whole lefty thing, it is aspirational. Um, it also feels very reductive on the career of Chris Bosch, who like was sort of seen as like a, a tweener early on. Mm -hmm. um or like a you know a, a true four which you know quickly faded away um and he was also like chris bosch wasn't necessarily a guy that you're like oh that's a top five pick by when you walk into a gym and to compare somebody who sort of had to succeed on the edges a little bit more as far as like nba stardom goes to like a guy who is going to get picked top five because like dudes who look like him generally don't fail at least historically in the league um the thing we could also do the like it what point in his career Chris Bosch are we talking if we're talking Miami Chris Bosch who enabled the extreme blitz um be able to call out all five spots on the floor and like really just establish the death star um I watched all of Memphis today and I did not see that you don't think that James <laughs> Wiseman is an elite communicator and short area mover I don't do think not. he can switch <laughs> I, I, w I wouldn't be comfortable with him on an island um, in, a, in a regular season or playoff game. Now. Don't want him anchoring um, a championship defense. Yeah, it's really, it like, that one is very, like, aspirational. I, yeah, yeah, aspirational is certainly a word. Uh, that one is, is like, mind-boggling to me. The Aiton one I is terrible, but I think that, like, there are through lines that make more sense. Obviously, Aiton, very recent number one overall pick having some success in the league. Um, same sort of idea that that a lot of his appeal was as just being enormous and a total physical outlier um, in that sense. But I think that there are some meaningful differences there that Aiton is like an elite, elite touch guy. Just uh, so much more that, skilled. Yeah, that, that he showed a lot more as a passer. And then crucially, the movement that Aiton is just like a very, very special mover. Um and outside of running in a straight line in the open court, James Wiseman is very much not. So the biggest thing for me with the uh, Aiton comp is that like Aiton produced mm. at every single level. Like the the tape of him in eighth grade versus North Carolina is still on the internet, um, and like it's exactly like he's still an absolute monster in like eighth grade versus you know, grown men essentially. And like the concerns with Aiton were him maybe not like fully committing to the defensive end, and he's gotten a lot better at that in Phoenix. Um, but he didn't have the movement errors that Wiseman did on defense, and Aiton produced better at lower levels than Wiseman did. So to me, um, if they are more similar than Bosch, it's also like sort of paling in comparison within an archetype. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Next is is one that I think is pretty common and is really just deranged. Um, so I thought that coming into the year, I, I was definitely concerned about seeing Denny to Luca comps. Um, it seems like we've kind of avoided that by, I I I guess by like the fact of Luca got so good that people realized, okay, this is a little outrageous. We can't quite be doing this. Um, but. Denny to Danilo Gallinari is like one of Wild. the wildest comps that's like it seems to be very common. Um I'll read you some stats quickly. Before yeah, b- before Danilo Gallinari came over to the NBA in Italy, um he shot in, in his last season overseas before the NBA, he shot 83.6% from the free throw line uh and 38.4% from the three-point line on 5.2 attempts per 40. And those numbers were pretty consistent and reflective of his general shooting performance before the NBA. Um, if you know anything about Denny of Dia and his shooting numbers, um, his free throw percentage is about 30 less than that. Um, and the three-point percentage is, is not as good. I mean, they're not at all similar. Like, And just like the shooting being I mean, arguably Gallo's biggest selling point and certainly Denny or one of his biggest question marks. Um, it's just a classic example of European white guy um, with broadly similar, similar physical tools, like being compared. Um, it's, it's lazy. Yeah. It's not good. Um, yeah. Before we did this, I spent 30 minutes trying to find uh, somebody who wasn't a various white compared to Denny. And I could not find it. Um, yeah. There, think, there aren't any. Yeah, no. It's apparently illegal. Um, you cannot do that these days. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think draws people to the Gallo comparison is like Denny is wired with an edge similar to Gallo or like you can just tell that like he's a dick on the court and Gallo is like very much here to just rip your head off. Um, that being said, like Gallo might be a top five one-on-one player in the league. Yeah, Gallo is one of the better like wing scorers of the last decade. The guy is a really, really good scorer. Yeah. Pretty uniquely special shooter scorer in all ways. Um, and Denny, you know, in terms of creation, uh, not so much. It's just, uh, I, I think that there are many other comparisons that are available if you wanted to go this route. Um, the problem is that they're not white European dudes. Yeah, it, it's just like, like Denny is a defense first prospect who, like, who's like famously can't shoot. And like, the main concerns with him are scoring related, self-creation related, and you're comping him to a guy who is just like an unbelievably accomplished shooter and scorer. I, I think it generally also just speaks to like Gallo disrespect. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like makes zero sense. Yeah. I mean, Gallo's not the only um, white European you see. Um, Luca, obviously, um, Hito Turkoglu, uh, Bogdan and Boyan Bogdanovich, Dario, uh, Mario Hizonia. Um, they're, they're everywhere. And they're all bad. Like, there's yeah. so, so many better ones. Yeah, I, like, if you just Google search, like, Denny Avdia, Danilo Gallinari, like, like, pages. Pages of it. Like, it's really prominent. That's, that's one that, that I really, I guarantee will be on the ESPN broadcast that, they will say that Denny is similar to Danilo Gallinari. And yeah. it's just like, it's really t- like entirely disconnected from reality. They're not remotely similar players in, in like any way. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's really bad. Uh, uh, from one uh, from one disconnected to reality comparison to another. Yeah, have, yeah. Uh, these are some more very bad ones. Yeah. Uh, Poku to Kristaps uh, Porzingis and Dragon Bender. Yeah. Again, uh, another example of the, the the European white guy comparison with broadly similar physical characteristics. See, um, I don't see with, this as a I don't see this as a uh, like a, a white European thing. I see this as this is just how draft comparisons work. It's not like it's just most revealed because there's not that many white European dudes. So you yeah. know when you get the more unique ones, they just like search down for names. And they're like, uh, um, B- B- Bender. Is it, is it a bender? It's like, well, he had five names and you, you pick, you, you just, unfortunately there's not that many dudes like him. So the game gets revealed. Um, but like when we get to Wembyama, eventually this is going to be a fascinating game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll just be called like shooting Gobert, right? I don't know if they can go, they can go that far. Um, the issue is Kevin Durant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the game gets, gets wacky pretty quickly with that. Um, the issue with, with KP and Bender is so that like one, He's not wired anything like Bender. Um, exact Bender, opposite wiring. Yeah, pretty it, much. Uh, if Bender had this dude's wiring, Bender would, would be an absolute monster. Yeah, um, he'd be so good. He'd be so good. But like Bender's issue was that he didn't think he like he didn't deep down think he was a pro and couldn't handle like the, the stuff of it, I guess. And um, Poku probably thinks that he's the best player to ever exist, just judging by his uh, uh, on-court demeanor. Um, and then with Porzingis, like Porzingis was so much older and the movement skills and the positionality, like basically aside from being the same height and having a similar development pathway, sort of like through the basement of Europe, um, aside from the fact that they occurred at different ages, like that's the best you can do. And even then that's pretty vague. They're like Porzingis and, and Poker are not like remotely stylistically similar. No. Um, with yeah. Poker I mean, very much like a wing offensively. Yeah, and the, yeah, and Porzingis has like historically varied from like being a face-up scorer from like the elbows to I guess now is is like a pick and pop, pick and pop bomber specialist. Yeah, but yeah, I mean Poku Poku's like greatest utility as an offensive player will be off movement shooting and transition handling, which are like things that Porzingis can kind of do, but like those will be what Poku's game is predicated upon, um, and like defensively. Porzingis is like very much a big and Poku is is like a weirdo weak side rim protector who is like you know a, a lot of his impact a lot of his impact is based around mobility and ground coverage um which I don't think is necessarily the case for Porzingis um the, yeah the Bender one strikes me as more ridiculous and like also plays in with the like all of these very large European white guys are mystery boxes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bender, like famously timid prospect Poku, like could probably use some timidity. He could like that guy tries stuff. Uh, and it's like, usually honestly, not that successful, but it's very entertaining. Uh, and clearly confidence is not an issue for, uh, Alexei Pokashevsky. <laughs> Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. 
Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it's waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, not great. All right. Huh? Next, we have um, another one that's less than ideal. Uh, it's Jaden McDaniels to Jonathan Isaac. Um, one of the, you want to get into this one? Yeah, this was a popular one, more so when Jaden was regarded like really highly, I think. But I think this one is pretty prevalent. Um, Jonathan Isaac does not make the like awareness and recognition mistakes that Jaden McDaniels does. Like, like, like you don't you don't watch Jonathan Isaac just like get back cut constantly and just like not make rotations. This is a guy who's like one of the absolute best defensive players in basketball. Um, just like kind of a one of a kind, um, like wing forward uh, defender. Um, Jaden McDaniels is really, really not that. Uh, Jonathan Isaac has also gotten to the point where he's like very strong. Um, and so, yeah, he was he was skinny as a prospect, but he is built now. And that, I think, is an important part of his defensive impact as well. Um, they they're Another one where they kind of look alike, uh, a, an uncommon body type that they kind of share. Uh, but Jonathan Isaac is a pretty unique player. And just being like lanky and tall does not make you John Isaac. Another example of uh, don't don't reach for these incredibly unique uh, special basketball players that just don't have broad similarities to prospects with similar looks and and physical statures. Yeah, that's my theory on this one as well, um, is that it was reverse engineered from the the rumored Jaden McDaniels uh, wingspan, um, which was like, you know, plus seven, plus eight. And like, if you're like, okay, well, who's his size and has like a huge wingspan and, you know, makes an impact in a number of ways, but maybe like, isn't the true score once we got past like Jaden McDaniels KD comparison of his like junior year of high school. Um, and the, like the only guy you have left is, is Jonathan Isaac because you've given away the game of reverse engineering these comparisons. Um, they're about as different as guys could be in terms of like how they impact a the game. Um, Jaden is sort of a, an offensive volume guy and Jonathan Isaac like had to be begged to shoot at Florida State. Um, they're, aside from, from being dudes of, of the roughly same physical profile at one time in their lives, um, there's not that much actual overlap here at all. All right, should we go on to our next one? Yeah. 
our next one, um, we have Aaron Neesmith and Clay Thompson. Um, so tall shooters. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've seen Clay. You know, the Warriors have have turned him into kind of like a specialized shooting off movement. Um, point of attack defense um, specialist that has played a key role in, in their dynasty. And Aaron Neesmith is a tall guy who sh- can shoot. Um, so that's where the comparison comes from. Um, so, yeah, not not the most – not the greatest when you peel back the layers, um, though. Yeah, and it's, it's another one where it's like don't compare a guy – to someone else based on an all-time skill that like yes clay thompson and aaron neesmith are both like wings slash off guards who are very good shooters but the degree is kind of the entire um appeal of clay thompson like that's that's why he was able to be a key part of a of an all-time dynasty that the degree of of clay thompson's historic shooting is the entire appeal of Clay Thompson. Uh, Aaron Neesmith is not that good of a shooter. Like, you know, ever, everyone knows that he shot over 50% from three in 14 games. Um, he's not that level of shooter. He's not, he's not Clay Thompson. Like, he, he's simply not. Um, and that, and the entire thing breaks down when you're not as good of a shooter as Clay Thompson, if you, you know, if that's the comp. The, the whole point is being as good of a shooter as Clay Thompson. Yeah. Uh, comparing people to 99th percentile outcomes. Um, is not a fruitful endeavor. Um, I do like the secondary comp that I found for Aaron Neesmith. Um, it's Terrence Ross. Um, and I find that to be very interesting because like Clay is somebody who does the most with the least possible. Um, and Terrence Ross is somebody who's, you know, had to tone it down because he attempts, <laughs> he attempts to do like the most quite a few times. And it, it sort of speaks to the nature of comps. Like one person can see a guy who like, you know, exists on like, you know, basically the least uh, self-creation burden possible while also being a great scorer. And the guy like could be a great, you know, was projected to sort of be this like uh, explosive scorer, but was never able to refine things well enough. And it, it sort of speaks to the subjectivity of grading two guards where it's just like, yeah, I mean, it could be one of these two things. They're polar opposites, but maybe it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two very dissimilar guys. <laughs> yeah. They're like comically. So, um, Oh, there was, there was, Oh, PD, hypothetically, what would a guy's prospect profile have to look like for a clay comp to even be reasonable? Like, is it even possible? Uh, like Caleb Houston has to shoot like fifty five percent from three in in college. That that's actually a really good one. Yeah, that, yeah. For people who don't know, Caleb Houston is a uh, senior at Montverde, uh, wing who can like dribble pass shoot, but he is a he's a pretty unbelievable shooter. Um, yeah, he's committed to Michigan next year. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um. He, yeah, that, that actually is, that's a pretty solid one. Yeah. Cause he, he's like, you know, does not have a nuclear off the dribble game by any means, but a really great shooter at that size. Um, so he, yeah, he, if he, if he went to Michigan and for that year on high volume shot 45% or whatever from three, it would be kind of like kind of believable that he is at least like an all time shooting prospect, in which case I think you could maybe get away with that comp more. But even right. then, it's but it's even stuck. then, you're what you're doing is saying that there's a player in the uh, high shooting, high release, 
uh, low dribbling, low playmaking archetype. Like they can make good decisions, but you don't want them to dribble more than two times um, against you know heavy pressure. Um, like what you're saying is that what clay like that there is a threshold of clay that is feasible. Um, whether you know um, somebody like I don't want to even say Houston because it's a ridiculous um, amount of pressure to put on a kid. But like eighty yeah. percent of play, if you get eighty percent of the defense, eighty percent of the shooting, but like a hundred percent the usage usage style, like that's probably still a valuable player. But you can't mm-hmm. navigate away from that and you know take the twenty percent of him that's you know not shooting as well and just add playmaking on top because that's an entirely different player. So like while staying within the usage archetype, you have to uh, be willing to have trade offs, and I think that that's the issue with a lot of these consoles that like if they aren't exactly the way that you know if fan edwards isn't exactly Dwayne Wade on offense like then he like that's not that might not be a good player because of the the ways that Dwayne Wade is good are so uh mar- such marginal returns mm-hmm. um and clay's somewhat of the similar like clay takes shots that like you basically want no one else to take yeah um next we have uh, one that I, I we probably won't see unless he goes really high, I think. Um, and that's kind of another factor that comes into play with comps is that like they'll vary, I think, based on where a guy goes. Like you're you're probably not going to see, um, you know, a Bam comp for Zeke Naji going in like the second round, even though he's he's very mobile, like you know, arguably more so than than uh, Onyek and and precious, but um, you're, you're not going to see that because he's going later. So this guy, I think seems to have a wide range where he could go. uh, And I think that that will influence his comps, but Tyrell Terry uh, to Trey, if he goes high, uh, both are skinny um, and can shoot uh, and are small. And I think that that's kind of the extent of it. And it sort of ignores how those shots come. Uh, it ignores everything else about their games, pretty much. Uh, but they like physically look similar, and it's another one where like Trey is a popular flavor at the moment because he's had so much success. I have another one of these. Um, Go for it. Uh, it's the people to say that uh, Pat will is Kawhi if he goes top five. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Like, I, oh, I think that there's like there is the framework in the same way that you could like squint it. At- at Terry and see Trey. You could squint at, at Patwell and see Kawhi if that's like really what you're trying to see. But if he goes, you know, somewhere in like the, the low teens, it's going to be one comparison. But if he goes high, you know, it's hard to describe what Patwell does in a, in a very um, attractive context. But you can always reach for Kawhi and be like, well, it's, it's actually just sort of a, a less polished version of, you know, one of the five best players in the league right now. Yeah, I feel like we'll see that with his with his teammate Vassell. If Vassell goes like top seven or eight, I think we'll see Middleton. And if he goes later, I think we'll see Mikhail Bridges. Um, and those aren't included uh, in this because I, I do think that there are actually like some reasonable things to take away from those comps. Um, even if I wouldn't make them one-to-one, uh, they're more reasonable. But yeah, I think that we'll see variation in those depending on where he gets drafted. Can we get into the three most ludicrous ones in this entire this entire thing? I've, I've been um, staring at these names the whole time. Yeah, so so we're gonna do my my personal favorite one. This first. this this one is fantastic. This one is unbelievable because it is just like totally insane. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton to Shea Gilgis Alexander. 
Um, so this touches on on so many of the the sort of principles of comp building that we've discussed. Um, but the the greatest failure, I think, more so than comping to a guy who's as unique as Shea to me is missing like the core concept of the guy's game that like the core concept of Shea's game is that he has a unique ability to like maneuver to and around the paint and then finish once there. So Shea as a freshman at Kentucky shot 74 out of 129 at the rim in the half court as a freshman at Iowa state Tyrese Halliburton shot 12 out of 14 in the half court at the rim. That is correct. 14 attempts as a sophomore, 23 out of 38 at the rim. Total 25 out of 52. Again, Shea in his freshman year alone shot 74 out of 129. So Shea had 44% more rim makes in one year than Halley had rim attempts in two years. Uh, They're not remotely similar players. I've seen this one several times. I have no clue what could possibly be the impetus behind it. It's totally baffling. They're both like kind of the same height and skinny. Uh, it's yeah, it's truly kind of, mind boggling. Yeah, I, I I don't get it. It, it just you know like Halley, you know the, the idea that Halliburton is any sort of on ball creator. I mean, yes, he played on the ball at Iowa. Shea Gilgis Alexander played on the ball at Kentucky. Um, yeah, it's nothing really. <laughs> They're both funky to look at, and that's I think it. Like that, I think that's just like what's a funky player. Um, it it doesn't make any sense. I've thought about it a lot because it weirdly gets brought up a lot. Um, I guess like Shea's jumper was also a lot more weird at Kentucky, so maybe that's something people point to. Obviously, the percentages weren't um, similar in in terms of uh, uh, volume, but like I don't know what are we doing here? A guy who can like you know shake with the best of them and then like a guy who struggled to create in like a u19 setting with team usa with like four other excellent creators in this space with floors you could ever want and just couldn't do it yeah i guess they're both skinny six five guards with set shots um, yeah that is kind of it uh but i've seen this one a ton this is, i think this is one i'm pretty confident we're gonna see on draft night as well uh, and it's it's totally crazy. It, it hits on everything of it. It hits on like all of the core principles of like why comps are bad, uh, and yeah, it's it's just like really, uh, it's just a baffling one. Yeah, we might, um, as, well, we might as well compare him to to Jerry West at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> Next, okay. we have one that we let PD include. So, PD, why yeah. don't you introduce it? Yeah, we so wanted to a- overrule because I've not seen it, and it's like totally. You, I mean, you guys will hear it. It's so this is a late addition because uh, I saw it once and then Googled it just to see if other people had run with it, and um, there were enough uh, independent voices confirming um, one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> to me, this is up there with. Um, Deshaun Stevenson. Michael Jordan, yes. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that level of hyperbolic, but it's that level of like sideways. And I just never just take a deep breath as I say the two names that we're all thinking, the two guys that have never been, you know, more similar in NBA history. That's Obi Toppin and Sean Marion. Oh man. I I don't know what kind of galaxy brain stuff 
you you have to be on to to make this comparison um like if you just like went down the list of like everyone who's ever played basketball and like threw darts and somehow landed on those two like well ben people make the obi toppin anthony davis comp at least they yeah famously I, famously aware. mobile and uh obi toppin the guy who's first prospects and obi toppin i will yeah. say that that obi and ad were both cheat codes in college but there is at least more there sean marion has absolutely no similarity there's no, there's nothing there there's, yeah there's nothing. this is another one of those they've played basketball before comps yeah like i guess you would say that like sean marion would be used the same way if he played college today but if sean marion played college today he would have a steal and block rate combined of like 30 percent. yeah like he would he would make the like michael kid Chris defensive numbers look like bad like there's Oh my God, he would violate current college basketball. Yeah. And uh, Obi can't play most pick and roll coverages because his hips don't move that way and he can't backpedal. So, no. Yeah. With Obi, like all of the athletic four comps are going to be ridiculous because, like, every athletic four ever has, like, derives a lot of defensive value from range. Uh, and that's a massive, massive issue for Obi Toppin, who can't cover any ground to save his life. Um, it, yeah, it's just like he is nothing like Anthony Davis, even though both can jump high on offense. Um, like watch Anthony Davis play the lob in a pick and roll on defense uh, and then watch Obi Toppin uh, do, do the same and jump four inches off the ground because he can't jump out of a backpedal. Uh, they're not the same at all. Uh, they're really, really not similar. They're, they're not like even all that similar offensively. Um, yeah. To move on to our last comparison, which is, uh, not that bad, not as bad as that one. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You want to handle this one, Ben? Yeah. Uh, we have Abdullah and Doi to Frank Nilakina. I think the the origins of this one are fairly straightforward. Both French um, guardy type players who have length and you know are like broadly similar physically. Um, pretty much nothing alike as players. Um, yeah, just the the nationality comparisons, the lookalike comparisons, the broadly similar physical comparisons. Just everything we've been talking about um, is where these two come in. Said well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like really the nationality thing that like people yeah. like like to do the the the, um, the the French thing or whatever. Yeah, which is one of the notes that I had on our doc was like, who's the French guy that Killian's going to be compared to? Tony is it just, Parker. Yeah, I was going to say like, is it just default Tony Parker? Like that's the only. But the problem is that oh, I forgot we should have put this. Maladon's gonna get compared to Tony Parker. Oh yeah, be- for sure. Not just because they're French, but because of Osvell. Yeah, absolutely. Like without a doubt, Maladon will get compared to Tony Parker. I-, I guess the the one thing standing in the way of that is if Maladon goes like 39th. I don't think they're gonna compare him to a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but um, you never know though. <laughs> yeah, Tony Parker, whose like main selling point was definitely versatile shooting, much like Theo Maladon. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, uh, 
same nationality comps are not usually accurate simply because people are from the same country. Yeah. Uh, that one, that one should be a real stunner. Um, yeah. All right. Those, that's the end of our, of our bad comps. That was fun. That was fun. Um, there are a lot of bad comps out there. And I think if people turn this into a drinking game, uh, they're going to have a fun time. Like promote that. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, know. Yeah. We're not promoting that. Don't, don't do it. And if you do, you didn't hear it from Preps Pro. Like, yeah yeah okay that seems like that seems like a legally wise move um yeah don't do a bad comp based drinking game because you will regret it yeah um so we've got a catching eye segment now yes we do um do you guys want to briefly talk Jaden springer pd would you like to make the case for Jaden springer um, he's uh, a fantastic point of attack defender, um, who you know is a strength based guard who may grow into wing size as everybody in his family is above six seven. Um, he's a developing shooter, and I don't think he's that bad of a passer under pressure. Um, he's going to get more athletic at Tennessee, but he's certainly not a bad athlete currently. Um, he might be the most like steady. Uh, guard wing type that we have in this draft, and uh, in a draft where there's not going to be a ton of certainty um, once you get past like four or five where you're just betting on upside, taking a guy with a good 75th percentile outcome um, is certainly worthwhile. Yeah, that strikes me as a fair case. I mean, obviously the point of attack defense thing is true. And even like for a guard, he's very versatile that he's had, he's had great moments on both Cade and uh, AJ Griffin, which is like, I mean, that's really hard to do. Those guys are very very good nba wing sized players um yeah his point of attack defense is very good uh i think should be like a pretty solid versatile shooter um i just don't like that like the rest of the stuff that much like i'm very interested if he gets larger uh if he's a wing that's that's very interesting but you know i'll kind of wait to see that instead of betting on it so he does interest me in that, like, once you get past the real creator guys and then some of the weirdos who in, like, very particular applications could be very valuable. But I can't really get on him super high like some people advocate. I don't know, Ben. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm with you. I've never really been on in on Jaden Springer. Um, I, I like late lotto. I'm okay with like, uh, I'm fine again. Like, like PD says, if he grows that, that changes the calculus, but I'm not going to bet on that until I see it. Um, yeah. I mean, I just worry like a lot about his offense really. Uh, I, I, I think the shots probably fine. Uh, I, I don't have that much of an issue that, but just the creation besides, um, the bully ball, which he is pretty good at. Um, and I think at the college level, he's going to continue to have success there. Um, I just don't like the handles rough, um, just the off dribble creation. I, I think there's basic passing, but probably not enough for like an on-ball guard. Um, I think he's like more interesting as like a combo wing kind of. And like, that's kind of why I think him, like you said, him growing would be great. Um, but yeah, I just like the offense really worries me for like a top five sixes pick. I mean, I do like him a lot. I think he's a lottery level. Um, worth mentioning that he's crazy young. Um, one of the youngest players in the class. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a good prospect, like no doubt. And Tennessee's like an awesome spot for him. But I, I just don't see like the high end lotto for for Jaden Springer. Yeah, I feel like that's the whole Jaden Springer discussion. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I, I don't know what what like there really is to say. Uh, his, yeah, I mean, like his his AAU numbers were really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't really see like I feel like if you're holding him to the same standard that we hold, held like Suggs to. I still think that they're like pretty similar in terms of the role that they will fill. And I just, I like Suggs better. I think he's a much better team defender and I think I trust him more as a shooter, but certainly like if Springer grows, he becomes more interesting. Yeah. See, I I can't get anywhere close to Suggs being better than Springer. Which is fair. I, I, I understand that, but um, I don't know. I, I, I also I've I've been trying to find more Springer stuff to watch uh, to see if I can really get it, but I don't know, man. Um, beyond like re- really like quite interesting complimentary guard in the vein of, of what we talked about with like guys that you need next to the growing class of jumbo creators. Uh, I'm not wild about Springer. All right, Max. Um, do you have one more? Yeah, so I was watching some Jay Scrub uh, and saw this this other guy on uh, – I can't remember the team, but he's he's going to Wichita State this year. Uh, he's a combo guard named Craig Porter. Uh, he's pretty interesting. Um, second year in a row of seeing some Scrub and finding some other guard that was, that was uh, pretty solid. But uh, um, he's like really, really quick. Uh, pretty vertically explosive. Um, not a great shooter, but not like a total non-shooter. Some stats: he shot fifty-six percent on twos in um in JUCO. Uh, three and a half stocks a game as like a kind of small guard. Three and a half assists to turnover with over seven assists a game. Uh, pretty interesting, like all-around combo type guard. Uh. I don't know. I don't know that I have much more to add beyond that. This is again, this is more of a traditional catching eye thing where it's like, wow, this guy was, was like something real, but uh, someone, someone to monitor at Wichita state, like definitely a, a good basketball player. Uh, very much popped playing at the Juco level uh, opposite Jay scrub. Better or worse than scrub. Um, I think scrub was better. Uh, I'm not wild about Scrub. He has some like he has some real intrigue. Like he is a I don't know how to phrase the like praise of his shooting because he's like a good shooter, but kind of a little bit of a weird one. Uh and generally just like a weird player. But there are some real abilities there. Like he he can shoot and he is genuinely a very explosive athlete. Uh at like six five, six six. He's so he's a real prospect. I don't know that Porter will ever be a real prospect, but like he's definitely a, a candidate to be a good college player um but yeah no def- definitely popped would would watch um the that game that's <laughs> i can't remember the guys it's something weird with a v uh that this guy plays for but he's going to wichita state next year you'll be able to see him playing college basketball yeah nothing on him all right so i'm going to mine a couple quick ones um aaron henry um, is a ridiculous point of attack defender. Um, 
it's kind of like the point of attack defense catching eye because we have Jaden Springer and moving on to Aaron Henry, who is probably my money for like the second best point of attack defender in the 2021 class. Um, just like so good um, with his technique is what always stands out to me. Um, all, never really stepping with the wrong foot, always contests with the correct hand, not overly jumpy or foully. And, you know, that, that combines with his size and strength and lateral mobility. It just makes an awesome point of attack D prospect. I'm interested to see how his role evolves at Michigan State this year with no Cassius Winston and no Xavier Tillman. Um, yeah, I mean, defensive wings, potential dribble sh- dribble pass, a little bit of shoot. I mean, those don't grow on trees. Uh, Aaron Henry's a good prospect. Yeah, pretty simple. He's good. I really yeah. enjoyed watching him when uh, when I did the Cassius uh, Winston deep dive this week. Yeah, he's fun. Uh, yeah, he's fun. I, I thought he should have declared this year. Um, yeah, he'd definitely be a first round pick this year. I mean, easily, I think, or at least for me. I, mean, I don't know if he actually would. Uh, I think borderline. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Um, I'm curious what Michigan State's gonna look like next year. Like, who's gonna be handling the ball for them? It's gonna be strange. Yeah, yeah, That's, and then yeah. Yeah. Not not your old Michigan State team. Not your your not your Cassius Winston, uh, Xavier Tillman, yeah. Michigan State. No. Team. And then I want to talk about R.J. Davis, um, who's kind of ridiculous. Uh, went back to watch R.J. Hampton in EYBL, like we talked about what was it, last episode, um, and then was watching a game versus New York Renaissance. And R.J. Davis is kind of insane. Like uh, his shooting, um, just like the pull-up game, kind of ridiculous how quick he gets it off um, range over contests. Um, and then just like the handle, so so tight, shifty. Um, the way he controls pace and you know explodes in and out of breaks, the, the change of pace, it's really overwhelming. Um, how good of like, uh, like how good of a shooter do you think he could be, and like how many shooters are really better than him in next year's class? Because like, in the draft class or in this year's high school class? Um, I was thinking high school class. Uh, is there anyone in the high school classes? I mean, statistically, he's a better shooter than than Cole and yeah. Caleb Love. Like, like he, his he his stats ridiculous. are absolutely monstrous. There's yeah, the the pedigree of shooting is um through the roof. Yeah, he's kind of ridiculous, honestly, and I'm excited to watch him play at UNC. Like, yeah, he's an unbelievable shooter. I will just never be able to unsee that uh, Texas Titans game where he looked so small and unathletic. Yeah. Like it, it was it was really startling, um, just how small and unathletic he looked yeah. against um, a team with with real NBA size and, and athleticism. Um, but yeah, he's a crazy shooter. He's a crazy, crazy shooter. Really unbelievable. Yeah. So, so those are my quick ones. Uh, PD, uh, what do you um, have? So the first one's a little bit of a basketball oddity that may turn into a a prospect. Um, there is a German point guard by the name of uh, Peter Hemschmeyer, um, who plays in, I think, the German fifth division. Um, he is six foot. He's two thousand three born. This is okay. This is this is from the year 2018-2019. Um, so he's he's fifteen playing in, in an adult division. Um, he averaged forty three points a game. Uh, <laughs> he didn't take threes. What? Uh, but he almost oh. never takes threes. Um, his uh, highs for field goal attempts in a game are 58 and 57. Oh, my God. Uh, it's almost all like layups and free throws. 
um, and he's just like chucking him. Uh, it, it's one of the wilder things I've ever seen. Like he plays German U16s. Uh, uh, last summer. Then um, I think that he's probably going to be someone to monitor. Um, it's just really fun when you can see a uh, a guy who's so distinctly what he is, which it just appears to be um, uh, German Pete Maravich. Like not in terms of quality, <laughs> but just in terms of like the experience. Um, yeah, this is one of the most interesting stat profiles I've ever seen for a young guy. Do um, we even want to know how you found this? Uh, uh, through ID Prospects. Um, we were talking, uh-huh. I, I was talking with people, and uh, they sent the stat profile, and I, and, you know, we're like, "Have you ever seen something like this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've seen it." You know, when people play like, like Mitchell Robinson's high school competitions, or just <laughs> like. Imagine Greg Brown, but like playing in like, I don't know, Alaska or uh, like North Dakota, which is like, there's not a person within a thousand miles that can stop him. That's what this looks like. And he appears to be playing uh, older kids. Um, yeah. Not super physically impressive. Not, um, you know, maybe no more than a statistical oddity when we look back three or four years, but um, somebody I'm definitely going to take an eye on if they could just do this um, at a youth level. Um, we're talking about trying to find uh uh, games from him as I get off the 2020 draft and start to pull it towards the future. But this is this is a fun one. 2027 draft, PD? yeah, something like that. Hey, I, I talked about Dariq, so you know I've gone <laughs> I've gone pretty young before. Oh, um, uh, but Dariq's not that far off. Yeah, I mean, Dariq I think might... we have determined that what's the farthest we because we did Mookie. I did Mookie. Yeah, yeah Mookie. That was the youngest one we've done, right? But I think Dariq might be. Is Dariq born? Dariq is young, super young for his class, and I think Mookie's a bit older. So Dariq might actually be younger than Mookie. Interesting. Um, maybe. But Dariq um, will be in not, – he's not that many drafts away. He's either the 2023 or 2024 draft, depending on um, – Okay, that's, that's, that's actually pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't find a birthday for Mookie Cook. But okay. Dariq, Dariq. Um, <laughs> and then my second guy is a guy that um, – I'm extremely interested in because of the development that he had uh, during quarantine. Um, that's Caleb Washington of Pebble Brook and Game Elite, who committed to Dayton this week. Um, a six-seven guard who always like was a theoretical creator. Um, you know, high release point jumper was still a little bit mechanical. Um, seeing him with Game Elite in the in the early summer, like things looked different um, in terms of his ability to get to spots. And when you are his dimensions, it's like probably 190. 195 um at six seven say there's probably like a plus four plus five eyeballing i don't have anything official um getting him in that anthony grant system is going to be really fun um they're going to put weight on him and i wouldn't be surprised in two years if he's a a guy it may only be one and done depending on how much uh weight he can handle and how much more explosive he gets from it but um uh for a developmental track uh and a guy you know putting it together while there's you know six months of limited basketball and just you know living in the lab uh definitely a guy for me yeah um dayton certainly seems like a good spot developmentally um so yeah i mean don't don't know him but i'm sure i'll see him at some point i think that probably does it for yeah today. it does although um, i do i have one thing that we need to say at the end of this episode the combine numbers this year. Oh my god. Oh my god. Grant Riller is a six seven wingspan. So it's either a remarkable coincidence that this is the most athletically gifted draft class of all time <laughs> that is breaking or nearly breaking every single combine record. Or, or 
there are measurement inconsistencies in this weird scattered combine uh, and the measurements are entirely worthless. I am going to go with the, the latter. latter there. I don't think that this is the most remarkably athletically talented class of all time. Uh, just don't use these combine numbers. Like combine numbers aren't that important in the first place. You can know approximately how tall a guy is for referencing like he is a 6'3 guard out of University X. Um, that's all you need to do for like stylistic purposes. Otherwise, like if a guy is very functional in his usage of his length and that allows him to get off extension finishes and contest well at the rim and um, play passing lanes well, that's important, and you can say that. Uh, you don't need to just say he's got whatever wingspan he's got. Uh, you know, it matters how these things show up on a court, not uh, not what you know comes up when you Google uh, Patrick Williams' wingspan. Um, so yeah, this year's combine numbers just don't even bother. Uh, they seem to be pretty worthless. Um, yeah, just like a PSA, I guess. Yeah, there's been qu- quite a few highlights um, uh, of these numbers. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for when this season is over and we can go back and rank uh, the most um, explicit uh, agent opinions of these numbers because um, some of them seem to be pretty far away from reality. Um, yeah, just treat them like they are messages from an agent, not uh, official numbers with checks and balances um, and other people observing them, which they appear to not be. Yeah, I mean, I think they're 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 no different from whatever universities have been listing for guys in the first place. That like, you know, they're to be taken with a grain of salt. They're probably not the the height and wingspan measurements are probably not wildly off. Uh, evidently, the the like testing numbers are wildly off. Like, we we do not have all these guys setting like positional vertical records and. Uh, like three quarter court sprint records. Like th- this is just not happening. It's it's ju- they're just measurement errors. Uh, I don't think that the height and wingspan stuff is probably way off for the most part. But just like take it all with a grain of salt, and better yet, just don't use them. All right, I think that's all we've got for this shorter than normal recording session. Um, thank you all uh, for listening, and again, big thanks to to PD for coming on. Follow him on Twitter at Above the Break Three. Is always doing good work. Uh, PD, anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, the uh, the last part of the heuristic came out this week um, on Malachi Flynn, Teo Maladon, and um, legendary shooter Cassius Winston. Um, give that a read if you have a, a few minutes. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. So again, always read PD's work. If if you enjoy him on the pod, you got to read his stuff. Uh, make sure you follow the pod at prep number two pro pod on Twitter. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. Follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. And with that, I think we are good to call it. We'll see you all next time.